Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, there are many, many ways of getting our show, including the one you obviously are listening to us on at the moment. You can download directly from our website at techcentral.ie. Use a smartphone podcast app like Podcast Addict is the one I like at the moment. Uh, You can use iTunes, of course, with Apple or Turn us on and listen on the radio. There's a radical thought. Every Friday on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Later on the show, going to be talking to Deirdre Mortel from ThinkTech. But first, Editor-in-Chief of Tech Central, Niall Kitson, joins me. And uh, Niall, are you wandering around the streets of Dublin with uh, your Pokemon Go app trying to catch Pokemon? Uh, Not quite yet, because I'm an iOS guy and it hasn't officially landed on the Apple Store, although it is quite happily reminding me that I can get it in New Zealand and Australia and America, uh, none of which is any use to me. And if I was an Android guy, I'd probably be walking around like a crazy person. Uh, Yeah. Now, do you know how this game works? Now, I'm not a gamer. And it's funny, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a job at the moment that involves a little bit of business news. And I was amazed to see Pokemon Go making the actual business news in, the, in amongst everything else that's going on with Brexit. Um, my understanding is, is that it's kind of an overlay on reality. So you will look at your phone and uh, you will see what's in front of you through the phone's camera. And then it will be overlaid with Pokemon Go stuff. And you will be able to see... Pokemon hanging around your neighborhood who would otherwise be invisible. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you you've largely got it there. Yeah, it's a it's a game based on geolocation and your camera, so it's an augmented reality game. Uh now Dusty, are you aware of the cultural significance of Pokemon? Absolutely not. I am a parent. <laughs> I had a child. He did something with Pokemon. I completely ignored it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well for for anyone that doesn't know what Pokemon is, I Pokemon was a trading card game. Uh, and uh, it was based on these sort of little animals called Pokemon, and they all had names and special abilities, and that that was the game. And it arrived on Game Boy, and people were very happy with it. And, of course, it had a very famous TV show, uh, which people very were very happy with as well. It was sort of a cultural touchstone for a while. Um, now, for me, that's kind of, you know, Pokemon dropped off the radar for me around the mid-naughties, I guess. So uh, to see it back is kind of kind of fun there's a little bit of a nostalgia buzz around I, some people seem to have never lost the faith with pokemon either as a uh physical game or um uh, a computer game but so, it seems to be now more than just a little bit of nostalgia this seems to be like you know pokemon has exploded in the way that you know candy crush exploded once upon a time and it was an I was, amazing I was about huge to make success. that comparison all right yeah with candy crush because uh, for a couple of reasons i mean candy crush was very simple and very addictive but it had no uh, it had no legacy value to it you know it had no cultural resonance really beyond being a, a simple fun game to play I mean Pokemon is like you know Batman comes to town or something like that you know <laughs> it, it brings with it so, so much cash with it um, but uh, what's interesting about it is that you know just like Candy Crush free to download but guess what it has it has you can buy levels or you can buy Pokemon yeah, there's, there's a money element lot. 
it's got a lot of in-app purchases. So if you want to buy extra gear for your character or, you know, extra Pokeballs so you can catch more Pokemon uh, or extra incense that you can attract the Pokemon with, it's it's all there. You know, you can all do it. And, um, you know, if if you want to run up a massive bill spending money on Pokemon accessories, who am I to say otherwise? <laughs> <laughs> but listen, you, you, I mean, you are a gamer and, um, and, and without giving too much away, you're much younger than I am. So, uh, you probably were just a kid when Pokemon came around the, the, the first time uh, and you're enjoying this little nostalgia buzz off it. What, why, why has it become such a big story this week? Uh, well, I mean, you know, Pokemon isn't that old, you know, I, I, there's a lot to be said for nostalgia, but also the addictive quality to it. Mm. Um, I mean, if, if, and I think the gameplay model on it, I think is fantastic. Mm. I think that is a, an awful lot to do with it. Like when I saw the trailer video for this, when it first came out, I was looking at it going, no, like, I mean, this basically like the whole premise of the cartoon was that you had to go around catching these creatures. Mm. Um, and now you can in real life, you can mimic, mimic what happens in the cartoon. I suppose uh, maybe all, it's the first really big, successful augmented reality game. Yes, there, there is that element too, as well. And of mm. course, you, you you know, there's the battling element, which is which has always been part of the the game in the cartoon as well. So I think you know, for people to be able to do that uh, in you know a blended reality world, I think is absolutely huge. Okay. Uh, now, remember that it is not available in Ireland at the moment. If you do have an iPhone, I mean, it would be absolutely terrible if you signed out of the Irish uh, iTunes store and then created a new account in the US iTunes store and did things like that. That'd be shocking, but it'd be one way of getting Pokemon. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and obviously, we don't recommend that you do that. Uh, um, tell me, I, I, I've got a, a one or two other little bits here for you um, that I just think are interesting this week. Um, the Faroe Islands, we've all heard of them, but do you know where the Faroe Islands actually actually are uh okay well brian Carey used to coach their soccer team you might you might remember years ago so i'm gonna say it's not too far away from ireland <laughs> and uh it's it's not near the isle of man so no. <laughs> the faroe islands uh, you know how scotland is kind of like north and it's grim and it's cold the faroe islands are north of scotland and in fact they're halfway between norway and iceland in the middle of the ocean somewhere. And they have decided that they want to kind of increase their tourism numbers, goodness knows how. And because Google has not been to the Faroe Islands to do street view, the islanders have taken it upon themselves to do a sheep view where they've got one of their lovely Faroe Islands sheep and they have attached a camera to it. And because it's so remote, what they've done is they've put solar panels on the side of the sheep, I kid you not, to make the camera even look uh, uh, last even longer. And off the sheep goes, wandering around the uh, uh, around the island. So you can uh, see pictures of that. Do a Google search for Faroe Islands and Sheep View. And I'm sure you'll come up with something interesting there. And the other story is that in the United States, a man uh, has been convicted of using somebody else's login and password to access his former employer's uh, database, his, his old database in work. But that has led on to a whole thing of now it's illegal to share your password with somebody and everybody's talking about how this is going to affect your Netflix account because, as you know, illegal as it is, it seems to be that the done thing is to share your Netflix password and everybody just uh, uh, shares it that way. Um, a lot of kafaw about that online at the moment, but I don't think even Netflix are making something of it. So if that's what you're up to at the moment... 
Naughty, naughty, but uh, don't lose sleep over it. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. We're used to talking tech from a number of different perspectives, whether it's academic, business, or what things annoy us, or even what we just think is cool. But it's not often that we get to talk about tech as a force for social good. But there's plenty of work going on in that space as well. To talk about it, Niall Kitson met up with Deirdre Mortel, who is the CEO of Social Innovation Fund Ireland, to talk about a thing called Think Tech, a programme that invites charities and the tech sector to meet, discuss and maybe even help some of the problems facing our society. Today I'm meeting with Deirdre Mortel, who is the CEO of Social Innovation Fund Ireland. And um, just, I suppose, to jump into our, our conversation, what Social Innovation Fund Ireland does is kind of add a sort of a layer of altruism onto the the tech world. I mean, when we talk about technology and innovation, there's usually two components that come into it. There's the the actual physical innovation itself, whether it be a piece of hardware or software or whatever. And lurking in the background, there's always the business model and, you know, how is something going to pay for itself? But um, your work is kind of different in that you've got this additional tier of, you know, how does it actually benefit people as well? That's right. Well, Social Innovation Fund Ireland was actually created by the government just a couple of years ago now, and our mission is to find and back the best social innovations in Ireland each year. Um, And when we say social innovation, specifically what we're looking for is what are the innovative solutions to critical social issues that people around Ireland are coming up with, and how can we scale them? Because we find that we've loads of social issues, We're really good at inventing solutions at local level. Some are tech-based solutions, some are not. But we're really not so good at spreading them around to all the communities that need them. So we end up reinventing the wheel. And our mission is to identify those, give them the right kind of backing at the right time, structured the right way so they can scale and spread. And I guess we see ourselves as the venture capital fund for the social innovation sector. We are a nonprofit. We're a charity. Um, we invest in nonprofit in other nonprofits. Um, but at the moment, we've launched a really great new fund called ThinkTech. And ThinkTech is, of course, tech-driven. So we're looking for what are those innovative solutions that are tech-driven. So who is using technology to solve a critical social issue? Um, who's got it? tested so it's not just an idea there's there's something up and running and it's even a little bit tested would be enough Um, and how can we look at that wrap the right kind of money and the right kind of supports around it so we can get it where it needs to be all over Ireland and maybe even further. So when when you say sort of I guess one of the interesting things about Centre is that because you are based um, as part of the Connect Centre, so you, there is a, an academic backing to what you're doing, um, it, there's also s- sort of a, an incubator vibe to it uh, in a sense that you know people don't have to be working specifically on a piece of research that they want to turn into a company. It's not knowledge transfer as such. People kind of can come to you directly and say, look, I've got a wonderful idea for, we'll say, traffic management in a large town. We think it'll work here. We've got, we've got have an idea we think it will work nationally is is that the sort of process you're looking at um so yes so we're based in connect um in trinity college and we're based in an incubator for their entrepreneurial activities so we have that tech academic backup to what we're doing but essentially we're a little bit like an early stage visit or an early stage venture capital fund so People can come to us, they might be students, they might be academics, there might be a research base to what they've done, but they can also come 
to us directly. So we're very interested in talking to community-based social enterprises, to social entrepreneurs, or even traditional charities. Um, last night in Dublin, we had a meeting where we had Alone, um, a 40-year-old organization that works with helping older people to age at home, um, including, for example, right in the heart of Dublin's inner city. A very traditional charity in some ways, but who've incorporated tech into their services in, in, in order to improve them. So so I guess what we're interested in is we have a concern that there's a silo between the sort of tech academic and tech entrepreneur community who are talking to each other um, through all the different tech networks that are available in Dublin and elsewhere. And then maybe th- more traditional charities and social enterprises on the non-profit side who may or may not incorporate tech into what they're doing. But And they're talking to each other. And what part of what we're trying to do around ThinkTech is start that national conversation that says, how can tech play a role in solving our critical social issues by bringing them together? So obviously the first thing is that people with ideas can apply to us. Um, and what do they get? They can get up to €200,000 in cash or equity-free investment. Um, up to €50,000 in non-financial supports that target growth, so things like mentoring, growth planning, all those things you'd get if you had VC backing. Um, a package of Google products and services, because this is a fund that Google have put up half a million euro, and the government has matched that with half a million euro. Um, and then finally, a five-month program that looks like an accelerator, where we ask the leaders from, uh, from the company, organization, whatever it is, to go through a program of capacity building um, that helps them figure out how to grow and scale and how to deploy that money that they have won through the award fund. And when you're providing that sort of line of communication between charities and tech companies, do you find that there is that barrier on the part of traditional charities that they've operated in a certain way for so long that they, they don't necessarily know either how to reach out to tech companies in the first place or they don't know the actual value of bringing in new technology to their existing operations? Yes, I mean, what we're finding is that there are a number of barriers to those conversations. So I think in Ireland, and not only in Ireland, I mean, research in the UK would say the same thing. The the charity and non-profit community has been slow to adopt tech and to absorb it into both either building efficiencies or actually adopting or inventing disruptive technologies to actually solve critical social issues. Um, and so I definitely think that's happening in Ireland and think tech is trying to sort of break that open and expose that a little bit and incentivize maybe uh, and accelerate some of that work. But it's also happened in the UK. But I think the barriers are real at the same time and it's important to acknowledge them. And one of the barriers is language. So we have a tech community who deeply understands tech and doesn't really understand social issues. And then we have... And uh, a whole set of nonprofits and charities and social enterprises who deeply understand the social issues that they work on, but don't really understand tech, and in particular don't speak the language of tech. Um, and we lack, I think, those translators. So whether it's the business analysts or or the other people who can actually help them come together to work together. And one of the things that came up at our we did a road trip uh, called Think Tech Talks in Cork. Galway and Dublin to explore what are the barriers. Um, language is one that came up, but another is actually just forums. So how can so if if I actually have an idea to solve a critical social issue, how can I find a tech co-founder or a techie who wants to work with me to help me 
to join my team and help me figure out how to make that idea a reality. And actually, those forums are siloed too, and we've been talking about how can we help and assist to bring people together in that way. There's a few things like Code for Ireland, DataKind and some of those, but I think there's not enough and they're not well-known enough across the different communities. Um, that's a, it's, it's a point that I think um, merits further exploration, really. But do you think... Um, the involvement of young people in tech, particularly in movements such as Coder Dojo, where you have people at a very specific point in their lives where they're um, they're starting to accumulate skills, life skills, educational skills, etc. But they're also experimenting with volunteering. I think uh, people are much more likely to volunteer when they're when they're younger than when they're older. So, so do you think the generation that comes up will have that ability to communicate between both sides? That you know they're working with charities maybe on the weekends, they're doing fundraising, whatever. But they're also sort of improving themselves. By, uh, by upskilling. So do you think there will be a natural evolution of that conversation? I certainly hope so. I think there will. I mean, I think a lot of, if we think about the people in charities and nonprofits who actually have the decision-making power about whether to deploy technology or not, many of them are not digital natives. Um, and they're not really that comfortable with technology. And they're not, they don't, they feel like, oh, I don't have that qualification. I think if you talk to children and young people, they don't think they need a qualification in tech to do anything with tech. It's part of their language and their literacy. And so I think that will naturally change. Um, over time, but I, but in, but I, in a way, I guess the question is, can we afford to wait for that time to come? I don't think we can. I think the so the social issues that we face are urgent and critical. So we need to try and accelerate that process. So Coder Dojo and other movements like that give me great hope for the future. Um, but part of why we've launched Think Tech now is because we need to act now and try and accelerate that process. So what kind of social issues specifically uh, are we looking at that, you know, either the likes of ThinkTech will, um, will be tackling or hope to tackle? And what, what kind of projects are ongoing? Um, well, you know, any, any critical social issue is what we're interested in. And actually on our application form, we don't, ask, we don't have a tick box set. We don't say, are you health, education, disability, children, older people? We say, what's the critical social issue? that you're working on and persuade us why it's critical. So we have an open mind on what they are, but look, we all know what are ones that are that those burning issues that bother us. You know, homelessness is one that leaps to mind immediately. It's very high profile at the moment. Um, but, th- you know, there are, there are more long-term burning issues like inequality. Um, there are lots of ways that tech can support people with disabilities around inclusion, um, whether it's... Um, assistive technologies or whether it's more web-based technologies and we're interested in both in think tech um and and then there's lots of uh so in the whole range from autism to things like assistive technologies i think there's a very wide range of of uh solutions that we would love to be looking at mental health is another one there's lots and lots of activity around how tech can support well-being and improving mental health at the moment so you know but it's right back to environmental you know, pollution, all those kind of things. So there's a very wide range of issues and we, I guess we have an open mind on what comes in the door. Um, so I guess to, to um, conclude, what exactly is the outcome of a successful project? I mean, are you looking at something that goes, okay, well, that, that solved that issue, that's fine. Uh, or is, is there that sort of commercial niggle in the background that, okay, we've, we've got a really good idea um, maybe other people might like to invest in it. Maybe it's scalable. Maybe it's exportable. So um, 
We invest in non-profits, so they need to have a non-profit legal form in order to secure the award. Um, however, profit can be a dirty word in the non-profit sector. It's not a dirty word to us. Um, so we think it's really obviously every business to be sustainable needs to build a surplus. Um, in for-profit world, we call that a profit. In the non-profit world, we call it a surplus. But I think, you know... Surplus is not a dirty word. In fact, it's absolutely critical to sustainability. So part of what we expect we'll be helping people to do in their in their accelerator program is to figure out what is the business model to make sure that we are building that surplus into our pricing, our you know how we shape our customer base, um, how we you know how we cover our costs and build that surplus so that we can be sustainable and grow into the future. Um, so can it take investment? Non-profit forms can't take investment in the traditional sense because they can't give equity, and that's why our, ours is an equity-free investment. Um, so we don't see them as commercial in that sense, but we do see them as commercial as in they have to be scalable and they have to build sustainability into their futures. So in terms of uh, looking to expand your partnerships for the centre, what, what work on that are you doing at the moment? Well, ThinkTech has been an amazing starting point for us partnering with Google.org. Um, and we have a number of future issues that we'd like to zone in on and launch funds for as well. One of those would be a health innovation fund, and we'd love to be talking to healthcare companies. It could be around connected health, or it could be around healthcare in the broader sense of the word. We want to do an educational innovation fund, and we're seeking partners for that. And we really want to do a children's fund, because I think there's loads of opportunities to scale up programs that support children, particularly around tackling inequality or disadvantage. And we're looking for companies and organisations to partner. What does partnering mean? It means that if you put up half the money, the money will be launched, will be matched by government, turned into a philanthropic fund, um, just like ThinkTech, of any scale. So it, it can Google put up half a million euro, it can be larger or smaller than that. And we do all the hard work in Social Innovation Fund. Um, we will launch the call for applications, we'll drive the selection process, um, and we'll co-brand it with the company. So we'd love to be talking to health, education, or companies interested in opening a children's fund into the future. And that was Niall Kitson speaking with Deirdre Mortel about ThinkTech. If you want to know more about ThinkTech, uh, just visit the website. It's www.socialinnovation.ie. And if you have an idea for a project, the closing date for applications is the 31st of July. That's about it for our show for this week. Remember, you can get more on everything we spoke about on the show today, as well as all the latest Irish tech news with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more directly from techcentral.ie, as well as our weekly tech radio show online and every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. So next week, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Niall Gitson at Tech Central HQ, thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.